so welcome to the b-side hey thank you how you doing i'm good man a little frustrated but i'm good <laughs> <laughs> all right let's just go ahead let's just go ahead and get out that frustration what are we frustrated about right now hey respecting another person's space respecting space you know um when you go to somebody's house you make sure that you respect their space don't don't make it your own right you know if if they don't smoke don't smoke in their house you know simple as that and, and leave things better than you found it i've always been uh i've always been a strong believer in that you know it, it, it's not an obligation but it's always nice it's courtesy it's it's exactly just common courtesy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What up, B-Siders? Welcome back to the B-Side. If this is your first time listening, I'm overjoyed that you're here. This is going to be a good one. My guest is Howard McField, a.k.a. Dexter, a.k.a. Mac. This man is a dear friend of our family and has been since before I was born. He's basically my uncle, and I'm excited to bring you this interview. So, what the hell am I waiting for? This is episode 20, brought to you by... Some College Radio. Welcome to the B-Side. How about you just explain to us where we are and why we're here? Hey, man, we came out here to have a good time with Omar and Shanae to celebrate Shanae's uh, birthday as well as their fifth reunion. So, you know, we're out here chilling in Cabo San Lucas and... uh, Mexico. In Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, exactly. So this this is this this is an awesome place, man. I mean you can bring your whole generation in this place and, <laughs> and not have to see each other every day if you didn't want to. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just that much room. But it's I mean it's it's awesome. We had a we had a great time and thanks to Shanae and, and, and Omar, they put this stuff together and it it was a pleasure for me to come and spend some time with the family and reminisce on some of the good old days that we had. It's always a pleasure to be around you guys. You know, Thank you. I mean, great, great flashbacks and good feelings. So <laughs> I appreciate you and, and, and your brother and your mom for sharing the good times that we had. I, I didn't always see it like you guys saw it and, and expressing the good times. So I, I, I thank you for that because for me, I always looked at it as me not being a good example for you or, or, not, interesting. or not being there for you you know as you were saying about the the cleaning the pots yeah you know i forgot <laughs> about it and, 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 it, and it bothers me even though i smile we kid about it yeah but i try to keep my promise as far as that goes so i'll make sure to have you follow up and and we'll make sure that happens i'm gonna explain that real fast too yeah so who i'm talking to matter of fact tell us tell us who you are give me your name uh your full name and uh, just a little bit about you. Now we'll talk my, about the pots. My name is Howard McField. I'm known mostly to my family as Dexter, and people on the outside call me Mac, from uh, short for McField. So that's who I am. So all right. So um, the pots. So I don't know how old I was. I think we we kind of figured out a year for that, didn't we? I don't know. We were, it was at it was at an old house in California. Yeah. And um, I remember he came through. We were standing in the garage, and he was getting ready to leave. And he said, "Hey, listen, 
your mom got these new pots. They got this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they got this copper bottom to it. And uh, and next time I see you, I'm gonna teach you how to clean these pots. <laughs> and I don't know if any part of me actually wanted to learn how to clean the pots. <laughs> Because really, it's just another chore. It was a chore, yeah. But uh, but he never came. I never seen him after that. Yeah. That was like I think that was literally the last time. Yeah. That I saw you up until my brother's wedding. The graduation. Uh, the that high school graduation. You came to my high school graduation. Yeah. Okay. So then, and then, and then the wedding. The wedding, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I never learned how to do the pot. So that's yeah. what he was talking about. Yeah. That's what that's that, that's <laughs> that's that old Marine Corps mentality of uh, getting out some brasso. And some rags and, and just polishing it till it shines. Yeah. Yeah. So have fun. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question. So I talked to my mom actually, and she was like, um, I used to go out, but if I, but my dad would say, hey, if Dexter isn't there, then you ain't going. And I didn't, it didn't register until this trip that you had been there the whole time, even before my dad entered the picture. That was complete, like, like mind blown. Like, whoa, wait, whoa, that's new information. Even though it wasn't new information, because she told me that two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, tell me, and, and then that also brings in because I just figured everybody that came into the family was uh, Panamanian, but I don't think you are. No, I'm from Honduras, just like your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Did you grow up there? Yeah. Well, up till the age of eleven. Wow. Yeah, other than that, I was I was in Brooklyn. What the? Uh, I'm I'm guessing you came the same way my parents came, and somebody sent for you. Yeah, my mom did. Back so, back in 1967. Wow. So you were in Honduras, and um, who were you staying with? In Honduras? Yeah. Yeah, with my grandmother. Okay. Yeah, it was there was about 500 of us, <laughs> grandkids running around. <laughs> grandmother was taking care of all of us man and we finally you know gradually we gradually came to the states mm -hmm. so so yeah I can imagine that was a challenge for my grandmother just running her crazy but yeah so all of you guys came at the same time no no we gradually came up here okay I was like the first okay what was it like I mean I don't know if you can remember that far back I oh yeah man it was it was it was different it was different because I got picked on a lot. I never really faced discrimination until I came to the States and I was being discriminated against by black people. Oh, wow. You know, I was always referred to as the N-word and a black Puerto Rican and we're going to get you after school. Did so, they ever get you after school? They tried. You know, I was, I was, I was a scrapper back then and, and it was almost a fight. It was a fight almost every day. You know, I used to go home and ask my mom, well, "What does this mean and what does that mean?" And and it, it was it was rough. It was rough. My best friends were uh, Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. Mm. You know, and then when they heard me, when when the black kids heard me speaking Spanish, then that just made it worse because, you know, you're not one of us. Right. So that was hard. I never faced that in my life. You know, mm. you're not you're not one of us. You're one of them. So what, what are you talking about? You're not black. <laughs> you you're a black Puerto Rican. So, but that that uh, opened my eyes up to a new reality, and hey, I dealt with it. Dealt with it. You know, when 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 Martin Luther King got killed. Yeah. 
we were all the same. Right. We were all the same. Everybody was united. We, we were on the streets. Everybody was riding and stuff. So there was no black this and no Puerto Rican that. It was a poor community, a minority. Back then, we call it the ghetto. Mm-hmm. Now, we call it the hood. But back then, in the ghetto, when, when Martin Luther King was killed, the uproar was everybody. We are all one. How old were you when that happened? You were 11 when you I was, so. I, was uh, I was about 13, 14 when mm-hmm. Martin Luther King got killed. Wow. You know, and, uh, and I remember uh, in, in, in junior high school, the teacher asked us to write something regarding Martin Luther King. And to be quite honest, I let him know. I didn't know who he was. I'm a, I'm a kid from, from Brooklyn, New York. I didn't know a lot of the heroes in the States. Right. You know, I knew about Muhammad Ali. I knew about some politicians like mm-hmm. the Kennedys and what have you. But I did not, as, as, as at that time, I didn't know who, who Martin Luther King was until after. I mean, it's not like they were teaching you in, no. in class about this. No. You know, whereas I, got, I learned it in class. Right. You know? We didn't know who he was. And I wasn't the only one. I didn't feel bad because some of the other kids in school that, that were born in the States they didn't know who he was either. Damn. So that kind of had me feeling a little at ease. I mean, I knew who Christmas Addicts was. I knew who uh, Harriet Tubman was. Right. But right. I, I didn't know who Martin Luther King was. You see? So it was, it was, a, it was a big eye-opener for me. And then I started learning who he was, and, and, and I educated myself on it. After the fact. After the fact. Wow. Okay. After the fact, yeah. So... But 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 yeah, it, it was it was rough, man. You know, and not having to have transportation. You know, it was it was nice. You just you didn't need a car. You just got on the got on the train. <laughs> it was like twenty cents. You bought a token for twenty cents. So yeah, I miss the tokens. Yeah, I mean, I miss just being able to get on a train. Yeah, and not having to drive. The driving is it's a little overrated, if you ask yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was a it was interesting. And, and and then when the gang started, you were either you were either a, a member or you were either in or out. But for some reason, I was I was left alone. Some of the, the gang members knew who I was, so I had a pass. I had a pass. So my thing was whenever they needed uh, artwork done on mm-hmm. their jeans and the, the 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 jackets, yeah. Then I was the one that a lot of them would bring their jackets to. What kind of artwork? Like whatever uh, they wanted. Did you use what? What tools did you use for that? I used uh, crayons, markers, pens, just whatever. Whatever I had available. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't have money, so whatever we can get our hands on. Right. And the big thing back then was the was the the Black Power sign. Yeah. Peace sign was was there too, you know, uh, red, black, and green. And then uh, and then some of the gang members wanted the uh, their name and everything printed out on on their jackets. Mm-hmm. So I could walk the streets at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and I felt a little safer because I knew if, if another gang member came out, they knew to give me that pass. Right. Wow. So that was cool. That was pretty powerful. That, that, was, that was cool. I mean, don't misunderstand me. I, always, I was always armed. My mother didn't know it, but I always had a weapon on me. What kind? I like a knife? Or? I, I, I walked the streets. I had a pistol. I had a knife. And I had a set of nunchucks. Nunchucks, man. I was set. 
I was set. Did you did, did you take like karate class or anything like that? Or you just, I I started taking. I started I started learning uh, uh, judo uh-huh. against my mother's will because she didn't want me taking martial arts. Why not? I don't know. She never really explained it. Yeah. You know. But I I I took classes at night, uh, and I just let her you know i would tell her well i'm at i'm at orlando's house for example right and then she knew i'd be home by a certain time and back then our sensei since we were poor kids he didn't expect us he didn't demand of us that we wore gi because mm. his 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 philosophy was if you get in a fight you can't say oh give me a minute let me put my gi on <laughs> so whatever you were wearing uh, that's what you that's what you practice that's what you practice in we didn't have a mat to, to go play. We, we did it on concrete because, again, he said when you're on the street, if you get knocked down, fall down, you, know what that feels like. you, you don't want to be shocked mm-hmm. by that. So, so, so that was good. And, and as far as the pistol goes, I never had to use it. I pulled it one time, and a friend of mine stopped me. But, uh, and, I, and I only used the nunchucks on one person. <laughs> the nunchucks got me tickled, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was good. I was good. Where you even get a pair of nunchucks? I made them. You, I, don't. I made them because it was illegal to carry nunchucks. Right. I think it's still illegal to carry them. You see, so so I I I, I always carried them inside my uh, coat pocket. You know, and back then a lot of kids had them, especially when when uh, the kung fu movies were out. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you were in the hood, you had your kung fu shoes, and everybody was trying to deal with the nunchucks. <laughs> But I mastered mine. I mastered them. I was I was damn good at it, and uh, and I only used them once, and that was on a friend. And it, it bothered me that I had to do it, but he was bigger than I was, so yeah. I had to get a message out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. where'd you come up with the gun? And how, you were like 14, right? Yeah, but back then, you know, you, you had to protect yourself. Well, you had the you had the jackets you was making. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure you could have just probably you probably just asked them. Like yeah, that. yeah, you know, and, and it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard to get one. You know, I mean, my family doesn't even know that I did. This is this is the first time I'm really talking about it, but um, but it was just the way things were, man. You know, because you you weren't always in your neighborhood. You weren't always going to be protected in that area. So right. when you go outside of that protected area, you had a, you were, you were on your own. You're on your own. You see, and you didn't you didn't run with anybody. Like you had no a whole bunch of friends and nothing like that. No, no. I had some friends that that you know we would hang out in the Bronx where we'd sit around and and talk and drink beer and what have you. But mm-hmm. as far as hanging out, I was I was a lone ranger. Wow. I didn't I didn't have a tonto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was nice. And I was one of the one of the few kids that had a job. Yeah, what what, what was your job? Because you was able to pay for kung fu, uh, judo classes. And- well, I didn't have to pay uh, because we went to PAL, the Police Athletic League. Okay. And I think it was like a dollar or two dollars, and mm-hmm. and they give you a, a, a membership card for mm-hmm. for a month or something like that. Oh wow. That's so nice. the way I got my money was um, I would deliver groceries because back then, you know. They, very few people had cars right. in, in the ghetto. So it was, it was a walk for these ladies to, to push a big cart, especially through the snow. You know? right. So whatever they gave us, whether it's 25 cents or an apple, there was no price set. Whatever they gave us, that was it. Wow. You see? And, and, uh, and that, was, 
that's the way you did it. What were you buying? What could you? What did you do with your money? Oh man, if 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 you got a dollar, you can, one of the biggest things I remember was buying. Uh, buying was uh, a hero. It's a sandwich. Oh yeah. So you could afford to buy a hero. Oh man. You know, your kids, your friends watch you go buy a hero, even if it was a half a hero. <laughs> you, were, you were rich, man. You had a dollar, you could go buy a hero and a grape soda. I'll never forget a grape soda. And you could walk the street in front of everybody eating your, your sandwich and drinking your grape soda. That was the joint. Yeah, that was the joint, you were man. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then on Saturdays, I would help the, 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 the bread man. Uh-huh. And we get $2 for like a half a day's work. You'd be delivering uh, bread from like 5 in the morning to like 11 or 12 at noon. And you get $2. It's not a bad gig. And that was, that was big. Yeah. To, get, to get $2, guaranteed $2. That's and, a hero right there. Yeah. <laughs> and plus you get bread. So whatever yeah. bread was left over, they, you know, they give you some bread and stuff. So come back and... And, and, and help uh, help the neighbors give them some bread, but but that was that was the thing to do back then, you see. And watch I watched my mother work for like fifty dollars a week. What did she do? She was a maid in a hotel. Okay. I remember one time she came home and uh, a customer had given her a two dollar tip. Oh. A two dollar tip that was big back in the sixties, and I'll never forget it. She said, "Go buy milk." Bread and eggs with two dollars. You have change? And it had change. Milk, bread, and eggs. And that was something that we could say, oh, we, we're, we're going to eat for a few days now. <laughs> but two dollars? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, man. So for me, that's why whenever I go somewhere, especially when I go to a hotel, I make sure to compliment the folks that work there and, and uh, leave a tip. Because I remember how my mother felt when that $2 tip. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. You know, I'm 62 years old and I have my own business and it still feels good to me when a customer stops me on the street and thanks me for something I did for them. That's, that's big. Yeah. You can't put a price on that, you know. When did you, uh, when did you leave um, New York? I left New York September 20th, 1974. Gosh, damn. What'd you do? What'd you, what, how'd you leave? How'd you get out? I went to the Marine Corps. I joined the Marine Corps. Did you join with my dad? Because I think that's no. around the same year that he went. No. I was, I was, I was going to join in a buddy system uh-huh. with my cousin Dwayne. What's the buddy system? The buddy system is where you and somebody else, um, you join together. Uh-huh. And they're supposed to keep you together. Keep you together. Supposed okay. to. Key word. Interesting. And... I passed tab and test, and he didn't. He messed it up. Yeah, he, he didn't pass, and I kept going. I kept going, and uh, a couple of years later, he got killed and left on the street. Wow. Yeah, they, they, they shot him on the street, man, and, and, and that, that was messed up. That was messed up, but um, the Marine Corps helped me out a lot, a lot. And still a lot, of, a lot of things that I learned growing up, you know, mm-hmm. from my, my parents, from, from my mom, I should say, because my, my dad wasn't there. So um, I knew who he was, but he wasn't really in my life. But a lot yeah, of like things. That happens a lot. Yeah. And a lot of things that I learned from my mother, I applied it in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. Like, you know, big thing is being responsible. Right. When when you're told to be someplace on time, I mean, when you're told to be someplace, you be there, you be on time. Right. You see? So I took all of that from my mother because she used to always tell us, I waited for you nine months. I shouldn't have to wait for you. <laughs> you know? She was tough. She was hard, you know? And back then, back then, you know, when, when, when you got a whipping, that's what it was. Right. Electrical cord, phone cable, whatever they could pick up, you know, you got your butt whipped. You see? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I, I joined the Marine Corps, man. And, and I remember when, when I was in boot camp, we were doing something and everybody else was in pain and agony. And my martial arts experience mm-hmm. helped me in my flexibility that I was so limber. Oh, right. You know, it, it was tremendous because I weighed 121 pounds. God damn. How tall, how tall were you? I was five foot eight and I, I was uh, 121. I was 20 That's years old. Thin. I was 20 years old. I was very thin. I was very thin, but I was strong. I was very strong. Mm-hmm. See, I was, my idol was Bruce Lee, so I used to do all that crazy <laughs> stuff with the, with the two finger, the one finger push-ups, yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. I, was, I was doing that stuff secretly, though. Right, right. Secretly, because, you know, back then in the ghetto, you, you didn't want to be, you, you know, you get ridiculed and what have you. But that's, that's where my strength came in. I could run up a flight of stairs in 10 seconds, flight of fourth floor in 10 seconds. Wow. So that was my thing speed and strength mm-hmm. you see so uh but yeah i, I and the, my my marine corps career was good for me man yeah so so where did the marines take you the marines took me from brooklyn new york to paris island south carolina cherry point north carolina i've been overseas the far east mm. uh camp pendleton or in California, been the, I met you know some dignitaries, and so it was it was a good experience. What what did you do in the Marines? I tell everybody I was a gas station attendant. What's the truth? It's the truth. I was a gas station attendant. <laughs> <laughs> what what did that job entail? What, what was that job? It, it just meant having fuel for uh, everything that moved and re- that you know moved on fuel. Okay. I was you know, one of my big jobs that my favorite job in the Marine Corps though, was being a, a Marine Corps drill instructor. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was I was. Why was that your favorite job? How was it my no, favorite? Yeah. Why was that your favorite job? Because it enabled me to uh, train a civilian into a Marine. Mm. It was very challenging, and I challenged myself to make that happen within the first two weeks. Isn't that a process of tearing down a person and yeah. bringing them back up? Exactly, exactly. Wow. I, and I was, a, I was a master at it. Wow. I was a master at it. Um, you have 9, 10, 11 weeks to get to that point. But for me, if you can do it in two weeks, right? and you get these kids to go out there and, I mean, snap to it and make it happen in two weeks, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you're doing something. What was your uh, what was your technique? My technique was that I was dumb, so I found <laughs> easy ways. I found easy ways to communicate information to any and everybody. Okay. Regardless of your education level, I was the kind of student that I was next to last when we graduated. Mm-hmm. Out of seventy eight, I was seventy seven. 
but I was determined. I was good at it. Matter of fact, I just had three, three of my recruits, three of them within the past year that contacted me to thank me for what I've done for them. Mm-hmm. And, and one of them in particular told me that next to his dad, I was the guy in line. Oh, wow. You see? And he, was a, he, was, he reminded me that he was the Jewish kid in the platoon. Right. Did you know who he was right when he told you? When he told me that, yeah. <laughs> and I can still remember, the, the, I can still remember seeing him because he was my, what we call a scribe or secretary. So he was in the office that day, and he was a Jewish kid. And I asked him, I said, do you know what a Kanish is? Oh, right. You see? <laughs> and, and that's when we got together, and he said his dad told him, how could you not know what a Kanish is? <laughs> But, but yeah. But you know, one thing about that kid is uh, my daughter went to Chicago just recently and she had her phone snatched and I made contact with that guy. Yeah. And he opened up his house. He gave me phone numbers, addresses and everything. And he was like, yes, sir. Where do you, what, what do you want me to do, sir? I mean, he was snapping to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I must have done something right. Something. <laughs> I must have done something right. I wonder what, he, what is, what's his job now? Like, what does he do now? He owns a painting company in Chicago. Okay. He owns a painting company in Chicago. And uh, he, he let me know that anytime I'm ready, my house is open. Or his house is open to right. me. Yeah. That's nice. So it's nice. One of them is running for Congress in California. Gosh, damn. Yeah. I mean, shoot, your people are about to be everywhere. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's, it's nice. You know, it, it just goes to show... It just goes to show, as an example, I didn't have, I didn't have a, my father in my life, but here I was being a father figure to all these other boys uh, when I had the opportunity. So to me, that, that gave me the opportunity to be a father figure for these kids, even though I was a Marine drill instructor who's supposed to you know, break them down, tear them up. Mm-hmm. But I, not only did I break them down, but I built them up. Right. I built them up and made them stronger. That was my objective, not just, you know, teach them how to kill and what have you, but teach them how to kill with compassion. Right. Made them more than just soldiers. You made right. them also men. Right. Exactly. Made them responsible. On some, on some occasions, when I had it, I made them uh, write their moms on Mother's Day. <laughs> I made them do it. I gave them orders. You will send wow. your mom. You will send your mom a letter, and I want to see it. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you. Whether they had a good relationship or not. But mm-hmm. to me, that was very important because Mom, there is no other, there's no replacement. Mom is Mom, right. you see? And, and, and hopefully they were able to rekindle their relationships with, with their parents. Because some of us come from, from messed up homes, and we carry that for the rest of our lives as a negative. But mm-hmm. I use mine as a positive, you see? Because I didn't have a dad with me all the time didn't mean that I was going to be uh, a negative impact on others right. when I had the opportunity. I, I made it positive. Just because you came out a hard time doesn't mean you should pass that on. Right. You know, take something negative and turn it into a positive for somebody else because you didn't like it when you were there. Right. So why are you going to treat somebody else the same way? Right. You see, my mom was hard on me. It didn't mean that I had to be hard on her. Um, on my kids, I just took a lot of it and tweaked it mm-hmm. to suit my needs. Right. You I learn the lessons, and then you, you know, you pass on what, what's good from it. Right. Know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You make your own package out of it. 
and that's why, I, like, you know, I don't make promises to my kids because I don't want to break those promises. Right. It was done to me many, many times. I was right. that kid. I was that kid that you see in the movies where they're dressed up and ready to go because dad's going to come and pick you up. Never shows. Never up. shows. See. So I let them know. We'll see. You know, when that day comes, you want to go to Disneyland? Yeah, let's go. I'm spontaneous. Right. Let's do it right now. Um, yeah, exactly. Pack your stuff. Exactly. Don't even pack. We'll just buy the stuff when we get there. We'll stuff at Kentucky Fried Chicken yeah. on the way over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I love, I love my kids, man. I got two girls, and God knows why he gave me two girls, because I think if I would have had boys, I may have been, I, I, I know I would have been harder on my boys than, uh, than I was on my girls. I'm sure you would have been. You know, because my girls had me wrapped around their little finger, you know. <laughs> But what did you do after, um, after the, the Marines? I became a substance abuse counselor. Mm. I drank for a lot of years. I've been sober for, what, 25, 26 years now? So my friends that knew me back when I was younger and drinking and knew that I was doing substance abuse counseling, they looked at me like, what? You a substance abuse counselor? Hey, why not? Who, who, better, who better to explain you know, the, the benefits and, and downfalls mm -hmm. of alcoholism than somebody who... Who's been there. Right. You see? I taught, when I, when I did it, I did it in three ways. I did it by the book. Mm -hmm. I did personal experience. And I had a Bible. That was me. I didn't, I didn't, you know, my boss never really stressed that this is the way it's got to be done. Right. So when I had my initial interview with, with, with the client, based on a the conversation, then I could feel it, you know. Okay, this person, is, it's not going to work going by the book. Right. So once I started sharing about, you know, drinking and, and hangovers and feeling bad and, mm -hmm. and they dipped into that and they started mm -hmm. cooperating, then, yeah, okay, this is the way I'm going to go with this individual, mm -hmm. you see. But then when I had somebody who was, who was spiritual and, and I said, okay, well, let me, let me talk, talk about, the Bible a little bit with this person right. and that helped them you see and I never took notes when when I when I had a session I never took notes because to me I know if I'm if I'm in a in a, in a session with a therapist and they're sitting there just writing notes it's right. a distraction you see so I'm now concerned with what are you writing what are you writing what right. are you writing I kept a lot of stuff in my head, and then after the session was over, then I had key words. You would scribble those down. Then I would scribble that down. Mm -hmm. You see, uh, uh, no, as long as the individual wasn't talking about doing, you know, serious bodily harm to anybody, then I just engaged in conversation, kind of like we're doing. Yeah, I'd never yeah. take notes because I've tried it, but it, it one, it distracts me. Yeah. And, and it does feel like it would be a distraction to the person that I'm speaking it, it, to. And, you know, and, and part of what made me successful was that if I had a, a one-hour session, for example, a lot of people weren't uh, trusting at first. Because you have, you have a one-hour session, you, you're not going to just walk up to a stranger and start telling them your life story right. in a one hour. So I let them know, if you, if you don't want to talk, that's okay. And a lot of times... These folks wouldn't start talking until about five minutes before the session ended. <laughs> now, here it is. I'm getting paid for a one-hour session. Right. But I didn't stop them. You let them continue. I let them continue. It took me this long to get here. Mm -hmm. 
but I didn't charge for anything over the one hour. Right. And my boss didn't like that. It's like, you're giving your time away. I didn't look at it like that. I looked at it like, this individual took this much time to get here. Why am I going to say, okay, your time's up. See you next week. Right. Because then, then next time it's going to take, you know, mm-hmm. take the same amount of time to get to where you just yeah. you cut them off again. Yeah. It's not, it's not fruitful. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, a lot, of, a lot of what I did was just, it was just God-given uh, talent, man. I didn't, I, I don't brag about it. You know, yeah, I went to school and got, got my certificates and what have you. But I, my thing was just spontaneous. And I'm, I'm, I'm always open. I'm always open for constructive criticism. On, on uh, the, anything. The things, anything. On anything. I don't care how old you are. See, I grew up with the, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of folks when I grew up, a lot of folks would say, oh, you can't teach me nothing because you're not older than I am. Or you're not as old as I am. People still talk like that sometimes. You see, not me, man. Not me. I have, like I said, I have a business, and one day I was, I was moaning, groaning, and complaining because I was working on a dirty car. I mean, mm-hmm. it was filthy, in it. and I'm always concerned with getting dirt and stuff under my fingernails mm-hmm. from old cars because you don't know what that dirt and contamination is. Right. And my daughter, five years old, she came up to me. She said, "Dad, why don't you put your gloves on?" <laughs> huh? Five years old, bro. It was so simple. The solution is right there. I mean, you actually had gloves. I had gloves for that reason. And it was so beautiful the way she put it. Dad, why don't you put your gloves on? Oh, man. You see? And, and, and I, I mean, my, my stress level was up. I was frustrated. And that little sweet voice just... Put your gloves on. Put the gloves on. <laughs> you know? Now you know why I was so shocked, you know, because I'm looking at you guys. I hadn't seen you in so long that I'm still remember these little boys that, you know, yeah. I used to cut hair and we used to hang out and what have you. And all of a sudden now you're grown, you're married. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, wait a minute. I put that I put their life on pause. How dare they That's, grow up without me? Isn't that crazy? You know, and, and, and I mean, and at the same time, I guess I did the same thing, you know, because I, I remember you from that time. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, when you guys knew me when you were little, uh, back then I drank. I didn't know that. And I thought I was a lush in your eyes. Mm, I didn't know that. You see? And it always bothered me. Mm. It always bothered me because I'm like, man, I'm being a bad impression. I'm, I'm, make, I'm making a bad impression and a bad example for these kids. And for, for all that time that I didn't see you guys, right. that that burnt a hole in my heart, man. You thought it was that. I thought I was being a negative in your life. And then when I saw you guys at, at uh, Omar's wedding, yeah. and then you guys started telling me all the good things and, and mm-hmm. this and that, man, it, it almost brought tears to my eyes, bro. You know, including uh, when Giovanni was there too. I was like, oh my God. And, and, then, and then your mom, and, and all of a sudden it's like everybody just started coming out, oh man, positive things, positive, yeah. oh, we did this, we did that. And, and I'm like, oh, wow, and here all these years I've been beating myself up, yeah. feeling like I was, I was a, a negative in your life. And it wasn't even the case. And, and, and I'm like, wow. So I'm sorry about that, teaching you how to clean the pots. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. 
Yeah, man. Because, I mean, I mean, I do remember, I remember, and I don't remember a lot, you know, when I was a kid, whatever, but I remember the haircuts. I remember this one haircut that I wanted, and uh, my mom brought it up the other day. It was like a mohawk. It was yeah, really like Mr. Mr. T. It was, yeah, yeah, it was like Mr. T. Yeah. But when I got to school, it wasn't, you know, cats made fun of me. Yeah. But I, I felt self-conscious. I yeah. don't even know if anybody made fun of me, but I did feel self-conscious, so yeah. I don't think it, I rocked it that long. But I remember that you, you gave me that haircut. Yeah, and that's what you asked for. <laughs> yep. And that, that was another thing that, that, that stuck to me. You know, it was it was tearing me up, man, because I was like, man, this kid's not going to like me. Or he, I know he doesn't like me, even though he asked for that haircut, you know. But I was like, oh, man, that tore me up. All those years, man, I wore that on my shoulder. I was like, man, Orlando hates me for giving him that haircut. And it's like. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's just like there's no, there was no good way of communicating with everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, I mean, there was no cell phones. I didn't. You know, it was just like, and by the time I got a cell phone, how was I supposed to, you know, reach yeah. out to you? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know how to reach out to you. And then, you know, you feel, and I feel the same way because, I, honestly, I don't call or visit uh, my nephews. Yeah. Hardly ever. Like, I, you know, it's it's a thing. So, I get it. I understand. Yeah. And, yeah. and I do feel like, you know... Like I'm a bad uncle or something because right. I don't, I don't put in that time because I know now with technology right. that I'm saying it wasn't there when, to keep in contact with you. Right, I'm not right. using it to keep in contact. Right, right. So there's no excuse now. <laughs> there's no excuse. There's now. no excuse. Yeah. Um, but I'm, but I'm, yeah. I do feel like I'm lagging behind on yeah. being a bad uncle. So it's interesting, but it's also interesting to know that yeah. <laughs> I hey. should be using Skype more and, and these types of. And, and all the, all this technology, whereas now, now we can actually see each other when we when we when you know when engaged in conversation. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, because I, I I don't I don't like I don't like uh, typing. You know, the the, oh, the, the text, text the text. Like text. I like to hear your voice. Mm -hmm. I can feel you better that way. Right. You know, I don't necessarily have to see you, but at least I can hear the laughter. Mm -hmm. I can feel it. I can hear the, the whatever is going on. I can I mean, feel it's not something. It's true when you text it. You know right. Saying? You type in the LOLs. And yeah. You, you know, misconceptions. You got a straight face. <laughs> yeah. It's misconception. Well, why are you yelling at me? What do you mean I'm yelling at you? Because you read it. You read it a certain way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everybody reads it differently. Exactly. So, you know, you, you always have to explain with the LOL, okay, I'm letting you know now. I'm just laughing, okay? So, but yeah, I definitely enjoy a phone call over, over anything else, man, because you can hear each other laughing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I definitely. I, that's why I tell my girls, man, just just call me. I don't care if it's a 10 second phone call. Yeah. That that means so much more. You see. Yeah. But you know, you know the thing. What I other than the things I just mentioned about texting is that texting. It takes a longer time mm. to, to text, you see? Because you might get busy and you step away from your phone oh, for a couple of seconds. That's true. And then you got to come back to it. And you, sometimes you forget that you're actually engaged in a texting conversation <laughs> with someone. And then days go by and say, oh, 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 I guess I better answer this. <laughs> but if you pick up the phone and call someone. You, you can't break that concentration. Yeah, you just right take a 30 seconds, you know, take 30 seconds out of your time a minute, what have you, and talk to that person. That's just me. I like to hear. I like to hear that person. Maybe because I'm old now, and mm -hmm. and I like to hear that voice. 
but it's it's still nice, you know. How do I know it's it's him and not his wife just texting me? I I mean I do that. I jump on her phone all the time. (laughs) 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 But what's funny is that people, you know, texting is another language. So like people can hear my voice when I take over her phone. Oh okay. And they know that it's me texting as opposed to her. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 interesting. Because she's quick to to want to get on there and be like, "Well, just tell them that you sent it. Tell them that you sent it." <laughs> but they already know. They know, yeah. yeah. Just 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 the way you type it sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah. They already know. Yeah, that's that's nice, man. That's my kids when they started with their phone. My daughter, my youngest one, was in kindergarten. When she got her first phone. Yeah. Wow. She was in kindergarten, and I that's when uh, Verizon had the uh, the frog. The frog was a kid's phone, so okay. you, you could you could program four numbers. Okay. Now this, this is how slick kids are, and you know I'm I'm stupid again. <laughs> I programmed four phone numbers uh-huh. in her phone, right? And I hear my oldest, who was 11 at the time, uh-huh. she goes, you know, all you gotta do is delete dad's number when you want to call your friends. <laughs> all you gotta do is delete dad's number and call your friends. And then put dad's number back in when you're done. I'm like, I didn't say anything. (laughs) I was so impressed. I was so impressed. Well, why I'm like, delete dad's number? There's four, there's three other numbers in yeah, there. Yeah, well, she it, delete. As, as an example, she just gave her an example. <laughs> right. You just delete dad's number, right. and and bam, there it is. Wow, and that's just lot just opened up. It, it's just temporarily <laughs> open, so you can talk to somebody else. But I mean, kindergarten with a phone. Wow. I remember you couldn't even in high school. You couldn't even have a pager in there. Yeah, in the high remember, school because remember the pagers? They would think that you was doing drugs. Or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was a trademark. That was a trademark of a drug dealer. They, or if you're a businessman, then mm-hmm. then. But but yeah, like if you're a businessman or a doctor, right? No, right. You're selling drugs. And you're selling drugs. <laughs> One thing I didn't do when it, when you know with my kids, I didn't force them to eat something that they didn't want to eat. Interesting. You know. Um, because we as humans, you wake up in the morning, you may want to eat something, and then your wife may want to eat something else. Right. So why should you make what you feel like eating mm-hmm. and make her eat it? Eat it. She might want, like, again, she might want something else. So I took pride in getting up in the morning, and I always asked my kids, what do you want to eat? You would make separate dishes for each one? Yep. Yep. My dad never did that. Yeah, I would make it. You know, I remember my little one, when, when they ate meat, and they said, Dad, I want to, uh, matter of fact, I would plan it the night before. Right. I said, what do you want to eat? Well, I want oatmeal and toast. Okay, I got you oatmeal and toast. I want steak and eggs. I'm like, okay. Steak and eggs for breakfast? Yeah. And I took great pride in doing that. Wow. You know, so when they went to school, they were full. Right. Let me ask you this. So I'm probably going to close out because it's 12 o'clock. And uh, my mom wants me to take her to the airport at 6 o'clock in the morning. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so out of everything that you've gone through your whole life, just kind of give it a once over and tell me what what was the, the thing that you take the most pride in? The thing that you really, I don't know, that you're most proud of? Being there for my girls. I could have had, you know, better jobs and what have you, but I wanted to make sure that uh, uh, 
whatever time they call me, whatever time during the day, that, you know, I need you. I could just shut down my shop and go be there for them. So just being there for my kids, that's the biggest thing. It's the biggest priority for me. Yeah. I, if I lose that, boy, I lose a part of me. Even though they're grown, but that's it. I love that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, and, and as far as getting up in the morning, that's part of sacrifice <laughs> that parents make. Parents make, you know. That's the only reason I do it. Yeah. I get, I, you know, I give her a little bit of um, grief about it, but I. Yeah. But you do playing. it. Yeah. Yeah, you're there. You're there. She knew I was gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, she wouldn't have asked you. Yeah. You know, she knew you do it. You know, mm -hmm. but hey, that's 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 what we do as as as, as family. You, somebody that you love, somebody you care about. Yeah. Okay. It's a little inconvenient, but hey, you're a loving son, so you get up and you do, it and you make mom happy. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And 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 that and in and, and in so doing, you gain a lot of love and respect, not just from your mom, but from your wife. Because right. your wife your wife is observing your actions. You see? Mm -hmm. So let's see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for letting me do it. If you want to keep the party going, we have an IG page tbs underscore podcast or hit me up at somecollegeradio at gmail.com you just finished listening to the b-side we can be found everywhere you listen to podcasts so subscribe tell a friend and if you're listening on itunes rate us it's a form of currency now can't pay my bills with it but every little bit counts right I want to say thank you to my guest, Howard McField. Shout out to Brizo for the beat. This episode was produced and edited by some guy. And that guy is saying peace. Peace.